<laughs> my, my dancing, I feel like I ended up looking like a uh, uh, like a puppet. Or... I was just about to say, excellent shoulder dancing as per usual with you. <laughs> thank you. Um, friends, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is called St. Peaks, y'all. A podcast where two librarian geeks talk about the TV show Twin Peaks once every couple or so weeks we're on a stretch now though two weeks in a row right oh watch out watch uh-huh. out world here we come uh-huh. <laughs> uh my name is tess and i really like the show twin peaks it's my favorite show and this is my friend leaf who has never watched a show before before now and we are watching the show together one episode uh per podcast episode and this week we are talking about part 16 of Twin Peaks The Return also known as what is it also known as <laughs> no knock no doorbell no knock no doorbell um it seems very surreal that we are two episodes away from the end I know I forgot that this is my favorite episode of the return. Um, I remembered that it was the second to last episode was my favorite, but I forgot that when they first aired, they put the last two episodes together as like one movie, basically. So I totally forgot until I started watching it. This is my favorite episode of the return. I was so excited. Oh, so you're saying originally this was the second to last because the yeah. other two were smushed together, just like the yeah, first two. Episodes oh. 17 and 18 were um, were presented together. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. For our next episode, should we <laughs> smush them? It'd be pretty epic. I don't know. Part of me feels like the the first two we kept separate. We did. So maybe for continuity's sake, we should keep them separate. But another part of me was, I'm like, I'm, I've I've said this before, is that one thing that's difficult about this show is that I really enjoy it. And if it wasn't for us purposely withholding the show from me every two weeks or more, <laughs> I would have I would have zipped through it a while ago. But it is exciting to kind of force myself to take this time because it really lets me like stew on it and when did we start this journey Tess do you know it's been years it has been years yeah I think I don't even remember (laughs) I think it was like the beginning of 2017 maybe yeah something like that I'll have to check the records but um um you know what if you have no strong opinions about this I say we smush them together Tess I'm just if that would be the case, mm-hmm. then our next episode would be an epic to discussing the two ending episodes. And then we would have one more episode because we need to discuss the final dossier. Yeah. And the, um, the other book by Mark Frost. Which I, I was talking to Amanda about it the other day because she was like, do you have that book? And I was like, Amanda, I bought that book years ago. Anticipate. <laughs> In anticipation. (laughs) Yeah, because I saw it on our book sale at the library. It was, you know, real cheap because it's the book sale. And I was like, I know I'm going to need this in in four (laughs) to five years. 
Well, um, so yeah, if you want to smush them together, we can do that. Sure. So let's do, um, we'll smush the next two together. So that's one episode of the cast. Then we'll do the book. And then if this is okay with you, we'll do one final episode. That's just, this is the, this is the end slash goodbye, you know, okay. and our favorite yeah. moments, um, uh, things, things of that nature, you know? Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah. let's kick off this episode with our favorite segment sent from my guy phone. Can you do it this time? Ring, ring. <laughs> Send from my guy phone. Perfect. Nice. Okay. <laughs> you nailed it. Thank you. Hi, Tess and Leaf. Still smoke free for about 20 years, but they sure make it look cool on Cowboy Bebop. Yay. Hooray for being smoke free. Not We don't pass judgment on anybody who smokes. You can smoke whatever you want. It's a, it's, you know, it's a free country. It's a free world, but it can irritate your lungs. <laughs> <laughs> and cause illness so so uh celebration and mm. also it's really really hard if you're a smoker to stop smoking i know from personal experience so way to go way to go guy dude um yes tess they are in the room from the picture it's the picture mrs Tremont gives laura also it's the room that gordon cole sees in the vortex with the woodsman Similarly, the dark motel that Mr. C is taken to is the same motel that Leland meets Teresa Banks and unexpectedly Laura and Ronette in Fire Walk With Me. I did not recognize that hotel. I think maybe because it was in black and white. I didn't put two and two together. I don't think I recognized it because literal years had passed since I (laughs) had seen that movie. (laughs) Uh, Concerning... Oh, an interesting detail. The character who unlocks the door for Mr. C is credited as Bosomy Woman. And the actor playing her is Malachi Shreenan. As far as I can tell, the actor plays male roles primarily. Concerning the David Bowie kettle, I read an interview with Lynch where he said he was a little frustrated. People thought it was a tea kettle. He insisted it was just a machine. <laughs> um... I, uh, I think in the subtitles, um, that it, it is credited as a device. So that tracks, um, uh, I recently decided, I believe that Philip Jeffries is inside the percolator. He says it's slippery in here. Not that that detail changes his story very much. Uh, the voice of Philip Jeffries is unfortunately not Bowie. I thought it was. It's apparently not, according to Guy Deedman. Apparently, he specifically said he didn't want to do the accent because he thought it sounded bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which I will say, any like like British person doing an American accent sounds very much like Philip Jeffries. And yeah, maybe it's not the best accent, but <laughs> maybe, maybe David Bowie gets away with it because he's so cool. <laughs> Uh, Mark Frost is definitely the unsung hero of Twin Peaks. People forget he's responsible for 90% of the mythology and lore behind Twin Peaks. Check out the book Conversations with Mark Frost. Concerning the scene with Stephen and Gerson. Now, this is an interesting theory here. The Peaks community seems to be pretty convinced that Stephen killed himself. 
but I'm not so sure. Right before they cut away from him, he hides the gun between his legs. I think it's possible that the gun misfired down there. <laughs> Does he mean um, down in his in his boy parts? In the crotchal region. In the yeah. crotchal region. Which is almost like a better ending <laughs> for wouldn't, that character. Wouldn't he have wouldn't he have screamed? Though, made yeah, noise? I think he would have screamed, but yeah. it cuts away, so we don't know. And we're kind of seeing it through Gearston's like high perspective. So, I mean, it's possible. Um, if he did shoot himself in the nether regions, that would track with how David Lynch is presenting the men in this TV show, or at least many yeah. of the men. And well, it, it is, um, it is a classic, like if you don't see the body fall, then it, then they're not really dead. You know, it's the classic like game of Thrones. Uh, recently I saw this and um, I saw this in squid game. There's a character that you think is deceased and then they turn out to not be deceased. We were just well, talking about um, Boba Fett, right? He fell yeah, into the, there you we, go. I Everyone saw, thought Boba Fett was gone. He yeah, doesn't know now. It took, what? It took like 70 years, but he's back <laughs> now, baby. The, um, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, yeah, maybe he shot himself in the, uh, in the, in the, the twig and two berries, as they say. <laughs> as they say. Um, I think for the first appearance of the log lady, they dedicated up to Catherine Coulson. And then they dedicated episode 15 to the log lady, the character. Whether she was in denial of her situation or just reluctant to disappoint Mark and David isn't clear. Apparently Lynch and Frost knew she was sick, but were told she was healthy enough to travel to shoot. But a caretaker had to step in at the last minute and inform them that she had taken a bad turn and was in no shape to travel David directed her from Zoom and they did all her scenes in one day. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. it does look as if they um, as if they shot all the scenes in one day. Like she's in the same chair, you know. That's true. And it's the same angle, I think, yeah. for all those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, love the Star Wars tangent. And- <laughs> episode closing in on the last episode pretty quickly can't wait sent from my guy phone it's a real relief that anyone enjoyed our star wars tangent i i considered editing the episode (laughs) taking it out (laughs) now i'm glad i didn't i'm glad somebody enjoyed us talking about star wars (laughs) i i mean i enjoyed us talking about star wars loved it but I was like wow that was really off topic for a really long time I feel like we kind of like brought it back in you know there was definitely like parallels to <laughs> the Twin Peaks universe in our conversation but sure. yeah we'll see what tangents await us uh, this week as we discuss part 16 no knock no doorbell which um, opens with a great scene of driving in the dark. Did you have something to say before we got started? I did. Could you highlight, um, <laughs> can you highlight it's slippery in here from. Um, oh, from Guy, the, from Guy, Bill Jeffries. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that now the highlighter has transcended just the episodes now apparently i can just highlight literally anything in the world and tell you my my theories about it it's very (laughs) exciting 
All right, highlighted. So we're driving in the dark with Booper and Richard Horn. Um, there seems to be, I don't know if you picked up on this, kind of like jerky camera movements, like while they're driving. I couldn't tell if it was just because of the low light or if that was something intentional. Um, they're driving down a dirt road. Booper is looking at his phone while he's driving. Maybe he's got the GPS up uh, for those coordinates that he's looking for. There's big spotlights on the truck, which come in handy. <laughs> Um, and Richard wants to know why are they here? And Booper tells him that they are looking for a place <laughs> and two out of three coordinates that he received for where this place is match the place that they currently are. And it is a rock on a hill. Um, and then Jerry Horn, <laughs> of all people comes running across them he sees them and he kind of tries to spy on them with some binoculars but he is he's having difficulty operating the the binox you um, have a 50 50 shot of looking through the <laughs> the right eyepiece and he um he he chose poorly you know? yeah he missed a shot um it happens uh, but he's still there to kind of witness the next uh, series of events that occurs. Uh, Booper tells Richard to approach that rock with a device that he has. And he says that it will beep as he gets closer and then there will be like a, a consistent tone. So it's sort of like a metal detector for otherworldly dimensions. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> was that device the GPS or was that a separate device? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know how many devices he has. <laughs> yeah, because my first thought was that that was the actual GPS. So he's more like beeping to get close to that specific spot. But I could be wrong. It's hard to tell. It could be. Um, he still has a phone after all this because mm. we see him send a text message. So I don't know. You're right. It might be two separate machines. Um, so he tells him to go to the rock and Richard, as he reaches it and the tone is going, he, it appears that he's electrocuted into oblivion. Um, and then Booper says, goodbye, my son. <laughs> and I don't know if we knew that Richard was Booper's son. Did we know that? Has it already been established? Was that a couple episodes ago? I don't, Guy Dudeman, correct us if we're wrong, but I don't think that's ever been established. Um, I thought that was a big reveal. Um, well, my first thought is that he just meant like my son as in like, go. Oh, like my fellow. Yeah. My fellow evildoer. Because. Maybe that's what he meant. I thought that he meant like literally that's my son. Well, if that's true, then does that mean Booper had sex with Audrey? Yeah, I that's my theory, and we'll get to it a little bit more later as well. Okay. Um, do you need me to highlight anything so far? Are you good? I feel like we should highlight that just because we'll discuss it later too. You know. Um. Um. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry's still trying to watch what Jerry. By the way, he sees this and he's he's sh he's shook to his core. He blames it on the binoculars. <laughs> the as fact that he. 
I mean, that's the only logical conclusion you can come to is that it was the binoculars the whole time. It seems like he's still high. I don't don't know how many days it has been. (laughs) This man. How much much THC did this man consume? This man. Thousands of milligrams. Like he's so like, he's still out of it. (laughs) He's like just high forever now. He's reached. He's reached, and and if you're listening, sir, I mean no offense, Polly Shore levels <laughs> of high, where it's like I guess he's just always high now. Always high now, you know. Um, and then uh, Booper sends a text. It's a smiley face with the word "all" in capitals, which is interesting because at first you're like, "Oh, a smiley face, that's sweet," but then later we learn smiles aren't always sweet. No, no, that's what I learned. Um, in the at the Jones residence, the residence of Dougie and Jamie E. Chantal and Hutch are staking out the joint in a van. <laughs> what are you the, laughing about? <laughs> I'm laughing just because they're they the most uh, romantic couple <laughs> that we've ever seen in television history, right there. <laughs> I actually have like a new appreciation for them, like kind of viewing them through your eyes. I was like, they're actually kind of sweet and wholesome, like for assassins, you know, yeah. like <laughs> uh, it's, they're just I really enjoy every scene where they're just talking. I guess I I think I just really like watching things that aren't like progressing a story. Like it's just it exists yeah. to just exist. You know? They are also like a great old married couple. I love the scene where he's like, what are you on your rag? She's like, what if I am? I'm like, oh, oh I've had that conversation before. <laughs> she got mad about, oh yeah. She goes, what if it, it's my last bag of Cheetos? Bag yeah. of Cheetos. Because it's so funny throughout all of their scenes, she's just finding what looks like half-eaten bags of Cheetos around their van. And she's slowly losing her grip because she's running out of Cheetos and she doesn't know what she's going to do if she's not feeding her face. And I relate to that, Chantal. I um, okay. I think I think they really missed an opportunity there. They could have replaced Chester Cheeto is a real outdated mascot we could have had Chantel Cheeto and Chantel and Hutch Chantel and Hutch selling Cheetos or selling Wendy's yeah I love it I I mean (laughs) really missed opportunity unfortunately but that's okay so um the FBI also roll up to the uh to the Jones residence um and uh but where are the Joneses they are at the hospital. Cooper is all, he's got a ventilator in, he's got IVs in, he's in a coma. Jamie E and Sonny Jim are at his bedside and then Bushnell comes in and um, then the Mitchum brothers and the girls come. Everyone's coming to pay their respects to Dougie. They love him so much. Um, the Mitchum brothers and the girls have brought finger sandwiches just in case anyone's getting hungry. And then they're really, this is to add to the sweetness of the Mitchum brothers. They ask Janie E for the key to the house so they can go back to the house and stock it up with food, just like they're doing there. These guys. And I feel a little guilty because my first thought when he asked for the key, I thought they had something nefarious that they were doing oh, for some no. reason. Oh, 
how could you think that <laughs> of these gangsters? <laughs> I don't I don't know why I, I did. And then uh, I come to find out they were, he goes, we're going to stock your house up. It was like <laughs> so good. Oh, sweet. Um, we get like a very brief scene of Gordon Cole surrounded by whirring, beeping machinery. Um, and then we, uh, we're back at the hospital. Bushnell gets a call from Phil. And Phil lets him know that the FBI were there looking for Dougie. They were there at his place of work, Lucky 7 Insurance, looking for him. He wasn't at home. He's not at work. Um, and so uh, they're on their way to the hospital. Uh, then I've got, we got, um, we're back at Chantel. Um, eating all of her Cheetos and the FBI have pulled up officially for a stakeout situation. So we've got a double stakeout situation going on and then a limo and a van pull up. And of course the limo are the, uh, the Mitchum brothers and a van full of food. <laughs> and, um, uh, a, but a guy approaches the vehicle that Chantal and Hutch are in. And he says that they're in his driveway and they basically tell him to F off. And then he goes nuts and he gets into his car and he tries to physically push the van with his car. Like he rams into the van and tries to like, and accelerates his vehicle trying to push it. And so Chantel shoots him. And so then he shoots her and then they're trying to drive away and he kills them. He has like this crazy, like automatic gun. Um, and that's the end of Chantal and Hutch. RIP, they go out in a blaze of glory. Um, and, then, um, and then the FBI happened to be there. So they arrest the shooter and it's crazy. The scene is crazy. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting because everyone's at that place and then this happens. And I was thinking to myself, well, FBI people probably have guns and Mitchum, Mitchum brothers probably have guns and uh-huh. Chantel and Chet, they probably have guns. Um, probably not this guy. Oh, I was wrong. He, had, <laughs> he had a gun too. <laughs> I wonder if David Lynch was trying to say something about, our country and our love of guns you know it's it's fair to say that america loves guns um, america um well some people in america put guns up there with the highest of things you know so absolutely and i just wondered i wondered if lynch was saying something about that we had a long conversation at work today about guns and whether or not people should be allowed to carry guns and that sort of thing and it kind of like reminded me of this like um because there's that that phrase you know what stops a bad guy with a gun a good guy with a gun and it's hard to like argue with the logic of that until you realize that like the the line between good and bad is (laughs) is up for debate (laughs) that's exactly right yeah um and like, there's no like morality test when you're issued a gun. Like, you could just get a gun, well, <laughs> go and buy one. <laughs> and also, if there was a morality test, we would. I mean, they do do background checks, but, but but no, but like a test to be like, this is a good person, this is a bad person. Like, then we wouldn't need guns. We would live right. in, a, you know, yeah. I we recently had this same conversation in my library system because 
Um, I believe in your library system, you can't carry guns in the library. That's true, but in the state that your library uh -huh. is, you can carry guns. Yeah. Just recently, they changed that rule for county buildings. So oh, that includes okay. that includes library, that includes parks. So there's signs up that say, um, you know, please don't bring your weapons and your bullets into the library. And um, like I've heard some people when they see the sign, they're like, of course, you could, of course, that's a clear rule. And I have to tell them, well, up until three months ago, you could just walk around with your shotgun because you never know when things are going to get rowdy in the children's section and you might need to whip it out, you know. Um, well, the state, the state that our library, that the library I work at is in, you cannot carry guns, um, but you can carry a knife and it can be a big knife. <laughs> you just it has to be visible that's the rule like it cannot be a concealed knife what about so, a sword is a sword just a long knife that's a really great question i do not know several knives taped together to form one long <laughs> sword they'll be like sir it's actually just several knives it's not a sword <laughs> excuse me i got you i got you figured out um here we go here we go leaf here we go at the hospital mm. The tone is heard, the same tone that we heard at the Great Northern. Um, and Cooper wakes up and he sees Mike uh, or Philip Gerard Mike in the red room. He sees a vision of him and he says what we're all thinking, which is you are awake finally. <laughs> yeah, very, very good moment of being like saying what we're all thinking, right? Yeah. And he informs him that um, Booper is still out. Like he was supposed to come back in, but he didn't. He's still out there. And he gives Cooper the owl ring. And then Cooper says, do you have the seed? And Mike says that he does. And then Cooper pulls out a hair from his head and he gives it to Mike and he says, I need you to make another one. Um, and then uh, he's all business. He's like, give me a sandwich, check my vitals, give me my clothes, pull the car around. He's got an agenda. We have things to do now that he's awake. The action is really kicking in and <laughs> everyone's noticing that he seems a little different. He's like, <laughs> talking he's more than just shambling around sunny, sunny jim says dad sure is talking a lot <laughs> um oh speaking of guns <laughs> cooper's like i need to borrow your gun to bushnell like he knew that bushnell was carrying a gun even though he was carrying it inside of his jacket which i guess nevada is a concealed carry uh state well um, for bushnell i mean come on i mean battling bud he needs his gun you know uh and then he's like get me the mitchums on the phone mitchums meet me in 20 minutes gas up your plane we're going to spokane and um i i love this uh because they're like yep okay gas up the gas up the jet we're going dougie needs us can you highlight this scene for me this please this it. the scene of specifically people just complying with cooper you know okay. um you got it yes you got it. um he gives he also gives bushnell a note he says someone named gordon cole is probably gonna call i want you to read the message on this note to him 
And then he, he like runs out of the room <laughs> and Bushnell says, what about the FBI? And Cooper says, I am the FBI. I am the FBI. <laughs> it's such a great scene because I think the music swells. The music's the, like, playing. Twin Peaks theme. <laughs> it's I've resigned myself to not seeing Cooper at all. Remember I've told you, I was like, I don't think we're ever going to see it. Um, but it happened. And um excellent acting by kyle mclaughlin where right away you're like oh that's coop that's not dougie that's not booper that's not some other person that's coop is back because he wants some sandwiches he's hungry you know and um and then they they get in the car and coop's gonna drive and at first sunny jim and Janie are like ah but then Sonny Jim is like, dad can drive real good. <laughs> They're like earlier. Well, I guess if the bar is earlier, he couldn't open a car door. <laughs> I guess compared to that, he's an excellent driver. He's phenomenal. <laughs> um, back wherever our, our team of FBI agents are, um, Diane gets Booper's text. And she is shook. She was... I guess, not expecting to hear from him again. One thing that's interesting, though, is when Booper sent it, it said not delivered. It said not delivered, yeah, but she received it. Yeah, I noticed um, that, too. Should we highlight it? I feel <laughs> yeah, when I, I feel like when we highlight it, I have an obligation to have a theory about it. <laughs> it's just, how about this? Not a highlight, just a, hey, I noticed that. Yeah. Maybe it was a continuity error. It no. seems doubtful. Yeah, it seems very doubtful that there would be such a you, thing in this show. But you know what I would love is you know how we're like, oh, that scene is so genius. It was so awkward, and they just kept the camera running while they just smoked and ate, co- drink coffee. What if it was like the entire show is just continuity <laughs> errors the whole time, and like David Lynch is like, oh, I left the camera on. You know what? Put it in there. They're gonna say it's genius. <laughs> Leave it's it fine. in, leave it in. But sir, we forgot to switch the 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 ring or whatever. And they're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's it'll a mystery. It, it'll be fine. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whenever um, they say, whenever you mess up, like if you're playing music and you mess up, you can just say like, that's the jazz version. I just <laughs> I like that. What I always do is if I ever do something like a mistake, like I don't know if I'm writing a letter or anything and it's wrong, I just go, it's a metaphor. <laughs> I just go, that's a metaphor. They'd be like, for what? I'd be like, it's up to you, man. What do you think it is? <laughs> what do you think? And they'd be like, you clearly tried to stack books and they all fell over. It's a metaphor. You know, <laughs> think about it. Um, and then she says, Oh, Coop, I remember. And she sends some numbers. And then she checks out, oh, speaking of guns, she checks out her purse and there's a gun in there. And then she gets up and she starts walking. And that the same American woman remix that played, I think in the very first episode is playing as she goes up to the room. And Cole already knows that she's coming I don't know if he like sensed her or if his hearing aid picked up on her footsteps. Um, are you okay? Is someone trying to get in? <laughs> I, I thought someone was trying to, I know I whipped my head around really quick. I thought someone was trying to get in. And then I started laughing about the idea of, I mean, you're right. Maybe the hearing aid was turned up, but <laughs> it was funny. And for, if we have any new listeners, my daughter wears hearing aids. And I was like, in my head, 
my experience is the exact opposite. It's like, <laughs> I, I have AIDS, but are they helping me? <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But who knows, you know, a continuity error, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you do have that theory that he's not really deaf, that this is all just a long con part of his, you know, FBI persona. So who knows? It's one of my favorite theories that a brilliant man came up with, which is me. <laughs> I like that, um, that, that uh, big upping yourself. That's very nice. You we know, decided that we decided at work today that my New Year's resolution should be to be unapologetically smug at all times. <laughs> um, all joking aside, Freya is like she has not earned the <laughs> she has not earned the right to say she's good at gymnastics. Let's just put it that way. But she will tell you she's the best at gymnastics that she knows. Yeah. Bless her. I oh, love it. She's so funny. I don't think it's bad to to big up yourself. I think for some oh. reason. Someone gave me a compliment at work and I uncharacteristically agreed with them. I was like, yeah, I am good at that. And then I was like, whoa, what if I did this all the time? What if I always said I was good at things and we decided that that should be like my new thing? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, easy when you get a compliment to automatically be like, oh, it's no big deal. Or I could have done this better. Or what I've been doing lately is I just say, thank you. Oh, you did a great job. Thank you. Don't have to overthink it. Just accept it. You know? Yeah. That's hard though. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she enters the room, Diane, she sits down. She tells them that I'm going to tell you about the last night that I saw Cooper and Albert gives her a drink. He knows that she's going to need it. <laughs> and here's what she tells us. She says three or four years after she last heard from Coop. She's still working for the Bureau, and he just appears in her home. No knock, no doorbell. Um, And she was happy to see him. She embraces him, and she's excited to talk to him about what he's been up to, but he just wants to talk about the Bureau. And he is basically grilling her about what's been going on at the FBI. And then they kiss which she says has happened once before. So they have like a little romantic history there. Yeah. But but this kiss was different. She could tell as soon as she kissed him, she felt afraid. And he could tell that she was afraid and that made him smile. And then he rapes her. And then he takes her to the gas station. I guess the one that we've seen And then Diane starts to, it seems like she's confused. And she says, she says, I'm in the sheriff's station. I'm not me. And then she pulls out her gun, but luckily Albert and Tammy were ready with their guns. They were a lot quicker draw than she was. And they, they shoot her and then she disappears. Yeah. She like screams and flips away. Yeah. And Tammy says, that was a real tulpa. Should I highlight any of that? (laughs) I love, by the way, we haven't done this in a while, but I like it when you like lead me towards a highlight, like, uh, like (laughs) you take my hand and you put it down in the water and you're like, do you feel the water? Are you thirsty? Do you want to drink the water? And I'm like, I think I am thirsty. I should drink the water. Like you should drink the water. Look on your face. Like, 
I do. Uh, for <laughs> and, and for listeners, um, if you ever want to see Tess and I, because we we record this via Zoom, because we live in different parts of the universe, um, you can see us on YouTube if you just search "Same Team Y'all." That's the name of our our mother podcast that's uh, sleeping right now. Um, you can see us, but anyway, for, if you ever see me, I often do this thing where I hold my finger up, like I'm going to say something and, uh, but yeah, you should highlight that for me, please. Okay. You know, you want uh, me to, is there a specific part you want me to highlight? Yes. The way she disappears. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, also this was a great scene cause it keeps you, she, we know she has the gun in her purse and she keeps like, she takes the cigarettes out. She takes this out. Yeah. Classic classic like ooh, is it gonna happen oh it's not gonna happen but then it happened the fact that she confesses to this rape that that she was a victim of makes me wonder if richard could be booper's actual son and maybe audrey also experienced a visit like this because we'll remember that Audrey also had kind of romantic feelings for Coop at one point in their 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 uh, acquaintance, um, and uh, perhaps he also paid her a visit. Um, Richard would be about the right age for some something like that. I know it's gross. It's gross to think about. All of it's especially when we kind of maybe think about what Audrey's been up to for the past few years. So we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. It's just all gross. It's just, yeah. It's just all gross, man. After, after that, we see Diane in the red room and um, Mike goes through like his kind of spiel, like the same one he gave Dougie when he showed up there, like you were manufactured, <laughs> except this time Diane says like, I know, F you. <laughs> and then her head cracks and her little gold ball comes out just like what happened with Dougie. Yeah. So I guess we can presume that this was a tulpa made of Diane, which means Diane could be out there somewhere maybe maybe she's trapped it somewhere in another dimension the way that cooper was because i guess dougie was a tulpa that was also manufactured and i guess booper is manufacturing these tulpas i don't know um and and we can also presume that gold ball is the seed right right yeah right. Uh, highlight yeah highlight the seed and then okay. hi- highlight Booper creating tulpas. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Got it. Um, at the Silver Mustang Casino, uh, the Mitchums welcome the Jones family right there in the lobby. And um, <laughs> they also notice that Dougie's talking with a lot of assurance. <laughs> and the one guy goes, uh, like, he goes, Side effects. <laughs> like I love that. That's it. Oh, side effects. Of course. Side effects of the coma. He was in. Yeah, yeah. that's what happens when you're in a coma. Uh, you effects. just wake up and you're a whole other person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Coop. This is a really sweet scene. I love this scene. Coop is talking to Janie E and Sunny Jim, and he's thanking them sincerely for their time together. And then he says, Dougie. I will be back. 
which makes me believe that the tulpa, the Dougie tulpa, will return in Cooper's place. Like they're gonna make another Cooper and give it to Janie E and Sunny Jim, which is really sweet. And he hugs them. And then Janie E begs him not to go and she gives him a very romantic smooch. But, and she says, I love this part. She says, whoever you are, thank you. So like, she knows that that wasn't who she married. Like she knows that there's something going on (laughs) and she's okay with it. Like she's, she's just happy for the time she got to spend with this person, this, this version of Dougie. Highlight um, like Cooper being in Dougie's body, like, you know. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. Your face looked confused. At first, I didn't understand what you wanted me to highlight, but hopefully we'll remember this when we're going back through. (laughs) I mean, the stakes are really high. I mean, if we make a mistake. (laughs) In fact, you know what? I kept crashing down around All joking aside, out of all the things I'm responsible for, um, this is probably the lowest stakes thing (laughs) ever. Like, out of everything I do in my day, this is probably the one thing that, like, anything can happen and it's fine you know (laughs) like it's no big deal it's for funsies um in the limo candy is serving drinks and coop is of course having a cup of coffee and um i i actually i love um the acting in this scene too from uh the mitchums because like i think it's i get them mixed up rodney and bradley i think it's bradley asks for uh bloody mary and candy is very purposefully like mindfully making the bloody mary and handing it to him and the look on his face as he's like waiting for his drink is so funny to me um but cooper explains okay we're going to we need to go to this place he's explained everything and the, the end goal, the destination is the Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department. And the Mitchums are uncomfortable with this. They're fine with everything else. Oh, okay, you're an FBI agent and you've been missing for 25 years. Okay, but ugh, a Sheriff's Department, I don't think like we would be welcome. You know, we normally don't get along with law enforcement types. And Coop assures them that it'll be fine because they have hearts of gold and Candy agrees, and everyone just feels really good about it. And I just love that scene. <laughs> um, highlight their hearts of gold for me, please. Okay, you got it. I have a moment now I'm thinking about it, is that now that the end of our podcast is coming, like it's looming, every mm-hmm. time I ask for a highlight, I'm like, is this, is this, this it? Is the last highlight. This is one of, this is one of the last ones and I guarantee like the very last highlight is going to be very anticlimactic it's going to be like <laughs> I'm going to be like I have a theory about this and you'll be like actually um they just literally told us that they're the same <laughs> that was the same actor oh I didn't know that <laughs> um there we're at the roadhouse and Edward Lewis Severson is performing Leaf do you know who this person is <laughs> No, <laughs> I do not I know. Forgotten, I had forgotten that he was in this. It is actually Eddie Vedder from the band Pearl Jam. Are you familiar with that band? No. Nope. Okay, that's fine. Um, they were a very, very big band in the 1990s. And Pearl Jam? Uh, yes. Were they as big as Avril Lavigne? 
arguably bigger. <laughs> Tess, I find that hard to believe. You, you, you probably won't believe. I've stumbled, not stumbled across, but I've been re-listening to Avril Lavigne on my quest for the perfect angry female artist, and she got <laughs> she got some good bangers in there. So she's great. Um, I would love to send you some Pearl Jam songs because I actually think some of their songs count as sad boy music. And I think that you would like some of it. I love sad boy music. And speaking of songs, I listened to the tree of life on my way home by what was the band? Do you remember? Yeah. Very nice. I listened to the rest of the album on my way home. It's a good. I'm so glad you liked it. It it made me, um, it made me think of uh, the smell of, of of tangy sap on a winter morning you know it was very good so nice if you too would like to listen to sap um you should listen to the band nefesh mountain they are a jewish bluegrass band and i know that sounds like kitschy and and like but it's not they're really good they're very sincere and their music is quite excellent and me listening to it, like I never got up, like they were like, hey guys, I don't know, like making it like a joke, right? Like it isn't yeah. a thing. Only I did notice in at least one song, maybe multiple, they were singing like Hebrew. So that was pretty yes. cool. You know? Yeah. I was just about yeah. to say they do sometimes like incorporate like some hymns into yeah. music and stuff. It's really good. Beautiful, beautiful music. I appreciate the, in fact, anytime you want to send me music, just send it to me, Tess. You got know? it. Yeah, I'll listen to it. Yeah, I'm gonna send you a couple Pearl Jam songs because um, I feel like you should at least be aware of who they are, just for you know pop culture references. What is more important, knowing who Pearl Jam is, or listening to Dark Side of the Moon? Oh, I Pink Floyd is definitely like a more I feel like influential yeah. and significant band in the history of music, but Pearl Jam is 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 no no small shakes and so the fact that eddie vetter shows up in the return is i i'm sure when i saw it originally i was like oh and then i forgot about it completely and then when he shows up again in this episode i was like oh yeah yeah i liked his song it was yeah nice. it's a great he has mm-hmm. a great song and um he has oh leaf he has an album of ukulele music that is Okay, again, that sounds kitschy, like, oh, the guy from Pearl Jam doing ukulele, but it's so good. It's so beautiful. I'll send you some of their songs. Um, Anyway, he's performing at the Roadhouse, and Audrey and Charlie have finally arrived at the Roadhouse after episodes of Build Up. And then the announcer... But but I'm sleepy, Audrey, (laughs) but I'm sleepy. They get their martinis, and then the announcer announces that it is time for Audrey's dance. So when I watched this, I was watching it with Amanda and Amanda predicted it because they said Audrey's dad. Well, not that they were going to do that, but when they said it's time for Audrey's dance and everyone walks off the floor. Right. And Amanda goes, she's going to do the weird dance from the diner. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I was like, Oh, she also, this prediction came out wrong because (laughs) <laughs> when they were going to go catch an airplane, um, Cooper and the brothers, yes. um, she thought we would see the girl in the pink dress from Fire Walk With Me with the oh, sour face. Oh, that would have been cool. Because <laughs> I remember, I think that was, I don't know if the word favorite is appropriate in this case, but it was the moment that struck Amanda the most out of that movie where she was just like, what the F is going on? <laughs> and I was just like, such a great show, right? She goes, 
it's a something, man. It's a something. Um, but yes, uh, the floor clears and the music from the original series plays. And it looks like to me, I don't know if you caught this either. It looks like Audrey enters into a trance because at first she's like alarmed that attention is being drawn to her, but then she kind of embraces it. She gets out right under the spotlight and starts doing, as Amanda described so accurately, her weird little dance from the original series. Mm-hmm. And the, the crowd is swaying back and forth behind her. And then she's interrupted by a bar fight. This man comes out of nowhere and attacks another man in the crowd. And so Audrey runs over to Charlie and yells into his face, get me out of here. And suddenly Audrey is in a all white room looking into a mirror. And then the credits roll as the band plays backwards. And that is the end of the episode. If you could highlight um, everyone swaying around her dance and the fight. And the fight, okay. And I don't know if we even need to highlight the mirror because you know what I'm going to say, right? (laughs) I would still like you to say it. Okay, I'll still (laughs) say it. I love the idea too of having a podcast and being like, I'm not going to say it because you know what I'm going to say. And then I'm like, well, anyway, I'll see you next week. Um, It was a, this was an episode. Uh, Let's jump into some mysteries, guys. Let's do it. It's going to be weird when we no longer listen to that music anymore, you know? I'll probably go back and and revisit it every once in a while. Just 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 for fun like just listen to him be like oh yeah they're oh you know what we should have done tess of course of course we can't do this unless there's like a really cool super fan out there um we should have kept track of all of our mysteries like we should like five this episode six this episode ten that you know and then at the very end we were like guys there were so many because we had this many mysteries oh man yeah that sounds like something we're too lazy to look yeah. up um tess <laughs> can you just get the intern to do that for us please just tell them <laughs> i need you to go back and listen and keep a tally of all of our mysteries please you know? Oh yeah, we keep an intern like welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. We lose them on a daily basis. Um, okay, let's get into these these mysteries. So um, you wanted <laughs> you wanted me to highlight from Guy's email the fact that Philip Jeffrey says it's slippery in here. Um, well, um, either Guy Dudeman said this word or you said it. Very interesting. He said percolator, right? Yes, Guy Dudeman said that. Yeah, what I mean, we know this. What's the most famous percolator on the show? The one the fish were in. That's right. So maybe Jeffries is in it, like that fish is in the percolator, right? He is the fish in the percolator. I mean, <laughs> all joking aside, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That's all I um, want to say about that. I highlighted Goodbye, My Son. Do yeah. you have anything to say about that? So it's so funny because at first at first I thought it was just like him saying, like my son, like my my terrible mm. 
my person. fellow my fellow terrible person my like fe- yeah yeah i use that all the time like if i'm at work and i'm like have a good day my son you know oh, do you all the time constantly <laughs> I no, don't. You don't. Do you I really? don't. No, no, I don't. I do. I, I, and I refer to all the women in my life as my daughter too. It's not weird. <laughs> Good morning, my daughter. And they're like, I'm. However, son is something that people do like occasionally use as like a generic young guy. Like, listen here, son. I'm gonna tell you what's going on. Like, yeah. it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that he's using sun in like a generic way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it probably stands the reason that that was the reveal that that was his actual son, probably from, from rape. Yeah. Um. Oh, also, um, him being on the rock getting electrocuted. I don't think I have you highlight that. Um, yeah. I think I think he went somewhere so uh, to another dimension also real quick yeah to another dimension uh, or another realm of being do we know where booper got the three coordinates from let's think here there were ray gave him coordinates diane gave him coordinates i don't know where the third oh did Philip give him coordinates? Was that the numbers that came out of the kettle? Oh, well, no, the numbers were Judy, remember? <laughs> That's what you thought, yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> well, your theory. <laughs> okay. Well, because I was just thinking that maybe, because he's looking for a place. I got it. Booper's looking for a place and he wants to get there, right? He doesn't need to get there. He wants to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think he's worried about there being a trap laid for him. And I think um, he had, was it Richard? Yes. Spring the trap. And I think when he turned in electricity, he went somewhere that Booper does not want to go, which means that third one is the place where he does want to go because he turned around and just like left, you know? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Our next highlight is, um, uh, the fact that everyone just immediately complies with Cooper the minute he wakes up. <laughs> so I don't fully have this figured out, but <laughs> we've talked about this before and not to brag, but I think it might be the most plausible theory about the show that anyone's ever come up with is that somehow they're figuring out that it's a TV show, right? You know? <clears throat> and I think somehow Boop or somehow Cooper and maybe other people are able to get control of the show, like are able to control it as in a writer can control the show by writing this, because when he gets up, people are extremely compliant. Give me your gun. You got it. Hey, gas up the plane. We're going to, where are they going to? Spokane. Yeah. And they're like, you got it. We're getting on that plane with you, buddy. And it felt very much like a, it felt very much like, okay, we're doing this. I don't know why, because it was just written to do it. Like we're supposed to do this, you know? No, here's how I interpreted it. Um, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard Ryan Dowd, the great Ryan Dowd, who is a, um, a wonderful human being who runs a homeless shelter in Chicago. Um, he, we're sort of um, students of his philosophy, mm-hmm. Leaf and I. Um, I use the term acolyte of Ryan Dowd. <laughs> also, have you read his children's book? 
Have you seen that? Oh, the homeless Christmas story. Yeah, with the really good twist at the end. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I have to check it out. Yeah, because you think it's one thing and then it's something else. It's very sweet. It plays with your expectations. Well, he has kind of a philosophy that of karmic currency. So basically, like for every um like for every bad thing you do, you're you're like you're taking away money from the till basically. And for every good thing you do, you're putting money in the till and good things are, are worth more currency. Um, and, uh, so I kind of thought, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. You keep going. I do have a thought oh. about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, well, no. But I thought this is like, this is Dougie basically, because they're all under the impression this is Dougie cashing in on karmic currency. Like Dougie's been doing all this great stuff. He's making everybody happy. Like, even though it's all coming about in like a very weird way, like he's doodled on a sheet of paper and that shows Bushnell that there has been like, like bad things happening at his company and he's able to fix them or the fact that he brought the Mitchums a pie and that happened to be in Bradley's dream, like it, like he's an, or uh, Janie E just getting attention from her husband instead of him just being a gambling lout. Like he's kind of cashing in on all of these good deeds that Dougie has done. Like I almost felt like it was like, well, of course we'll do that for you. We'll do anything for you, Dougie. You've, you've changed our lives for the better. Dougie, you magnificent human being. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the The only thing I was going to say is, no, I think that's a really fun idea. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, just technically speaking, according to the gospel said by Ryan Dowd, is that um, bad karma costs more than good. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's no, that's okay. It's an exchange rate because right. every every one bad thing costs five good things. Remember, that's, that's how it right. works. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That is how it works. But the thing is... Yeah. Um, Dougie has no bad things. He hasn't done any bad things. It's all good. And so he has so much currency to spend that it's, it's great. He doesn't have a a deficit. Like a lot of people who do bad things have a deficit and then you're not trustworthy and people won't do nice things for you. Yeah. That's That's the karmic currency. And I just feel like Dougie was benefiting from it or Cooper is benefiting from the things that he did inside of Dougie that he may or may not have been aware of. I guess we'll talk about that. That's our, our next, I think it's our next, no, it's not our next um, highlight, but did you want to talk about what Coop was doing inside of Dougie's body this whole time? You had a theory about that? Um, if anyone's watching on YouTube, I'm looking around confused. Give me one second. Where was I'm I sorry. going? I'm sorry. It was from the scene where Coop is talking to Janie E and Sunny Jim and thanking them for their time together. Oh, yeah. Um, not necessarily a theory, but just a thought that um, I think because Dougie is a person, right? And right. Cooper is a person. And I think Cooper got to experience his wife and the joy of being a dad, right? Through Dougie. And I think I think in a way, because a lot of this, our podcast is like, I think David Lynch is trying to say something. I think he's trying to say in a way of how you don't have to be like, you don't have to, for example, be a dad or a spouse or this to experience the love of those things. Like you can, you, he had those, you know what I mean? He never knew 
Janie E or Jimmy Johnson. Sunny Jim. Sunny Jim. <laughs> thank you. Um, but they Famously are not a name, but they, <laughs> they are um like his family, you know? So yeah. Um did you have something to say about Diane disappearing? Yeah. So yeah. Um oh, just an observation. I think her disappearing seemed very similar to when Laura Palmer disappeared way back in the, I think was that the the two-parter, the the second parter. Yeah. Oh, true. Remember she starts screaming because it, it isn't that she just disappeared. Like she didn't fade away because we've seen people fade away before. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if we were to kind of, if there's like a language, if there's words being told for like visual styles fading away is like, you're going to the red room, right. Or that other lodge or something. I would say that like blinking out or it actually looks like she's ripped away. Like with Laura Palmer, it felt like someone ripped her out. I think that's her being removed from the show completely, like out of the medium, you know, but then we see her in the red room. Oh, that's true. Hmm. <laughs> we haven't seen Laura since. Or did we see the real? Oh, but then the, the scene. Mm. Do you have something to say about that gold ball, by the way? The yeah, seed? it's falling apart. The Yeah, I do. Just, I think the seed is a seed of inspiration. That's what it is. I think, <laughs> I think it is. And I think you can take a part of someone and turn it into something else. Like you can take an yeah. idea and turn it into something else, you know? So, right. And that's, I guess, what they literally did to create Dougie and to guess, create this version of Diane, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. Um, what did you have to say about the Mitchums and their hearts of gold? I think they have hearts of gold, just like the gold seed. Like they have good, they have good hearts. So they got good seeds. Oh, the log was turning gold. Yeah. I'll- the log was turning gold. Yeah. I don't know. I don't and gold is i guess like alchemy like you know alchemists like famously like we will turn this into gold so it's kind of like a turning something a transformative kind of element you know i don't know oh thank Um, you finally uh what do we have to say about audrey dancing the crowd swaying the interruption of the bar fight and her looking into the mirror at the end audrey did well i'll just say the mirror at the end is her in the real world right is it her in the real world like i was my theory when i watched it was originally is audrey is the character of Audrey because I didn't have the, <laughs> I didn't have access to your great theory about this being like <laughs> the Twin Peaks universe. And David really Lynch. <laughs> if you, can you imagine if after all this time, David Lynch is like, I'm never going to talk about it. Never. And then he's like, he got it. <laughs> yeah. He got it. Can you imagine like this whole time when you discuss, what does it mean? I'm not going to talk about it. And then just one day he's like, this guy did it. So he did it. Um, I thought she was in an asylum of some sort, like because it's all white where she is. Um, and if she had been victimized by Booper, um, 
it may have driven her into a state of mental unwellness and perhaps she's been in like this kind of asylum and everything that we've seen maybe Charlie is like her therapist and maybe like everything we've seen she's is like what she's thinking in her mind but it's not what's actually happening and what's actually happening is that she's in this white room and she has sort of an epiphany moment at the end where she sees herself in the mirror and she realizes the actual reality. That was my theory. I mean, that's a good theory. Um, also, Charlie being the therapist syncs up with our theory of maybe Audrey being raped because how do you spell therapy? Or therapist, sorry, I'm messing up my own joke. The rapist? My oh God. My the whole time, thank you, is old. Old SNL joke, I think. With Sean Connor. No, anyway, the um <laughs> maybe. Or she did wake up in an asylum in the real world. Actually, first time I saw that mirror, I thought it was a makeup mirror. Like you're getting your makeup oh, done. Like I'm getting made up to be on the TV show. But she looks so alarmed and scared. I don't know. well what else did you have to say about the scene about the swing oh thank you for getting me back to it thank you yeah her uh, and once again i don't know if uh, i I just have a a kernel a seed if you will a tiny little golden seed of of inspiration of inspiration (laughs) i kind of just like like sunlight coming through just dappled dappled sunlight shining through the green leaves of a tree i just have just a little bit of a taste of what david lynch is trying to say and i don't know if i can fully put it into words also um when diane like ripped apart when the seed came out yeah you know and smoke i think that ripping apart like once again like it's it feels it feels like you're ripping through like a script or you're punching hole you're punching through a wall right like anything could have happened, right? Like she could have burst into flames or she could have faded away or she could have whatever, but it was that ripping and that tearing and that smoke. Same thing with um, Sarah Palmer. Remember when she like took her face off and then it was kind of like a rip or something. Like there was a smiley face there. And so I think something is coming through the show from our reality or I also think too um, that Booper, the place he's trying to go to is our reality. I think he's trying to escape the boundaries. Oh, wow. I think he's trying to escape the boundaries of the show, similar to how Smith is trying to escape the boundaries of the matrix, right? No matter what, it's always, oh yeah. And it's, oh, I sent you that, that meme with Ratatouille and uh, Morpheus. <laughs> we all know that the ultimate form of control is mice hiding under our chef hats. Okay. Let me, <laughs> let me rein it in. Give me a second. I think Audrey dancing is a metaphor or supposed to represent either inspiration or creative thought or, or something of that nature because she's dancing and everyone's swaying. So she's doing this thing that doesn't look choreographed at all, right? Like you can't control a creative process. I mean, maybe you can try to, but it just kind of happens. You, you know, you do story time, you know how it is. And sometimes you're just like, oh, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna count backwards today. It's crazy. Anyway, the, um, and I think she's like, it's just this untamed, 
crazy dance that feels good. Sometimes she's smiling and sometimes it doesn't look like it feels good. Just like creative, like you're creating something. Sometimes it's frustrating. Sometimes it feels good. And you're just kind of doing it. And I think everyone's swaying around her because they're paying attention. Like she's part of a, she's part of something bigger. Like when I saw them swaying, I thought of like cells or, or cilia on a cell or something. And then that fight is when you're in the zone and you're like, Oh man, I'm, I'm writing my short story about how Kesha and um, Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande, um, they're teaming up to fight the patriarchy through Move time. Move over, boys. Move over, boys. <laughs> oh, today I was driving home and I had a great idea. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And anyway, you're writing and you're writing your short story or you're writing your, your slash fic about, um, or we talked about this, slash fic is sexy times, romantic fiction about Dumbledore and Gandalf. And then all of a sudden, you get distracted, right? You get a bar fight happens in your head, right? And you, your phone goes off or your computer, or you start to doubt what you're writing. And then you think maybe it's not good. And, and the bar fight happens in your head and it stops the dance. You know, I think that's what's happening. Interesting. I like that. Do you have any other, I think that's all of our highlights. Did you have any other mysteries? No, I have no other, um, I have no other mysteries. Then shall we discuss our favorite quotable quotations for this episode? Thank you to Leo Wright on the jazz flute. That's you... another one. I will. I will go back and visit after we've concluded. <laughs> I've actually. Um, the, the clip on, um, I, I should actually look up Leo right on Spotify because I was going to say the clip on YouTube is only like a minute and so long. And it's just like just the barest bit of tastes of that jazz flute, you know. Um, I have a quote. I have it on my phone. Let me bring it up. All right. My quote is as such. <laughs> what the F kind of neighborhood is this? People are under a lot of stress, Bradley. That was mine too. Yeah, it's it's so <laughs> funny. And it's true. It's true, you know. I love that. <laughs> People are under a lot of stress, Bradley. It's it is true. And maybe yeah. you're right listening to that quote. Maybe um maybe it is David Lynch trying to say something about guns and stress, right? You know, because he had that line. People are under a lot of stress. Yeah, except that in that moment, they're reacting to a violent gunfight and not like, eh, you know, th th that person won't put their mask on and that person's mad about it. Like, that's kind of what I think of, like, when I think of people are under a lot of stress, not like we're all just going to like shoot each other. But then I guess, I guess that guy, what that guy who killed Chantal and Hutch, I guess that was the final straw, like. I guess anyone could possibly just have a total breakdown. Yeah. And also I think too, is that sometimes David Lynch or other people can also, they're making a point by like making it like the fact that they are so nonchalant about all the shooting maybe in itself is saying something about how we could be nonchalant. Oh, I heard there's another, another shooting, you know? Yeah. Well, oh. I mean, like I re I recall two years ago around this time saying, "Are you? Did you hear about the thing in China? Like all those people are getting sick in China? That's crazy." 
Yeah. And then look where we are now. So um, where, are, where are we? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh leaf uh, did you have an mvp of this episode no that one i know i'm definitely gonna go back and listen to like that was just really good maybe you need a nice pick me up (laughs) yeah just a nice pick me up my mvp of this episode let me ponder that for a little bit my favorite scene was the one with audrey dancing doing the audrey dance um so i guess it is audrey um i don't know if she was my mvp oh i'm missing a big one look at you looking at me you're missing a big one i'm missing a big one how about this? I'll give it to Audrey because you're, can... you're allowed to choose whoever you want. <laughs> it was nice to have Coop back. Hmm, look at you. <laughs> I would be surprised if it wasn't yours wasn't Coop. I'm giving it to Coop most yeah. definitely, 100. Okay. Um, just because this is the first time in the return that I've gotten to do that because yeah. it's the first time that he actually showed up in the episode. <laughs> it is weird because you bring up a good point that I remember you know, in the original Twin Peaks, I think every other episode or multiples in a row, Coop was your MVP and my MVP too. So it is interesting to say that we haven't, have we given it to Dougie? Maybe we gave it to Dougie once. We might have. I don't remember. Um, and I think that um, actually both of us have given it to Booper <laughs> in the past, <laughs> surprisingly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Get the intern. Can you ask our intern to go back and see if we've ever given it to Dougie? I would appreciate that. Thank you. This is for but school yeah, this school credit. First, this was the first time we could give it to Coop, but also he's awesome in this in this episode. He's so he's so in control. He's like, you do this, you do that. We're gonna do this. He's drinking coffee. He's getting romantic smooches from his. Tulpa's wife um I I but he's having like wholesome conversations with people or he's thanking them for the for being part of his life like he he does it with Jeannie and Sunny Jim but he also does it with the Mitchums and even with Bud Bushnell to a certain extent like um and uh it's just great to have him back um uh I remember at this point being like, oh, great, we have him for one more episode. <laughs> but it's still very exciting to know, to like, to think, what is he going to do now that, now that he's out? Like, we're heading towards Twin Peaks with Cooper. Like, what is going to happen now? It's, it's all been, it's all been leading up to this. It's interesting drawing the comparisons between this and Matrix Resurrections, because in many ways, I see a lot of parallels where it's kind of like the, I know what you want, but I'm not going to give you what you want. And then without spoiling anything for matrix at the end, they're like, okay, you get a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to, yeah, that's exactly what this is yeah, like. I'm not going to give you what you want. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to get Cooper. It's fine. And then it was like, okay, you got it. I was like, ah, oh, thank How you. Awesome. 
how awesome would it be like an into the director's studio or whatever kind of a moment, a conversation between David Lynch and Lana Wachowski? <laughs> Just blew your mind thinking about that, didn't I? <laughs> um, Two of your favorite like creative forces there in the world of film anyway. And then, and then the ghost of Alan Watts shows up too. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, when you talked about um, Cooper being, you know, so confident and, and this, I think actually describes like just Cooper's typical personality and in, in the original Twin Peaks to what we're, we're drawn to. Um, are you familiar with any, um, I've been reading a lot about stoicism lately. Are you familiar with any concepts from that test? Yeah. There's a, Man. there's a phrase oh sure i'd be happy to there's a phrase in that i might be spelling this wrong or i might be pronouncing this wrong um eudaimonia have you heard of this before it's mm-hmm. essentially like uh, i guess the definition here is like human flourishing the state of being happy and healthy and prosperous but essentially it's at its very core it is aligning your actions with your your morals your values and your state of being to like the most, the thing that you know you're supposed to be doing, you're doing it. And I feel that Cooper is like, he's the living embodiment of that. Like even in the original, you know, like he's, he's, he's quick and productive. Like not like, not just like, let me shoot the S for an hour. Right. But he's still kind. He knows what he's doing and he knows why he's doing it. And uh, it was great to see him back man and it, it is great to see him and you would think like someone else might take a moment and be like what just happened to me but not coop coop is like i got i well, got things to check off my to-do list <laughs> i wonder if and um i wonder if because we know in dougie's body he was basically like a blank slate right like a like a baby but i wonder if cooper inside there was still seeing everything because we know he wakes up and he isn't like who's Janie yeah no he knows who all these people are and his relationship to them where Bud Bushnell keeps his gun concealed so maybe maybe he's so prepared and ready to go is because he's been in there planning this whole time you know yeah wow that's crazy to think about (laughs) I mean yeah yeah um one last mystery of this episode is how many fish in a percolator, percolator do we give this episode? Let's see. Fellas, don't drink that coffee. This guy. You'd never guess. There was a fish in the percolator. And then lately, I've really been loving this last part. Sorry. <laughs> Such a good... Sorry. Such a good delivery. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, Pete. Um, I mean, oh. Go ahead. I would, I would give it five, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I give it five. Yeah. I was going to say, no surprise. Uh, I give this one five fish in a percolator. This was an excellent e- episode. I, I believe I described it to you as juicy. <laughs> it was so juicy. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And you had to wear a plastic poncho. It was. I had to wear a plastic poncho. I, it was so juicy that when my mom walked in the room, I was embarrassed. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> You were in the splash zone. <laughs> I was in I was in the splash zone. Yeah, I had to get out of there. Um, Tess, since we've decided to combine the next two, this is it. 
Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I didn't expect to feel emotional because <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe I, I don't know. I, it, it's just funny because not that we've been podcasting forever, but our other mother cast doesn't have an end. Remember, we'll do that one right. till we're skeletons smiling in our grave. But this one does like this is it's done. The only way it would ever come back is if we found out that like David Lynch, there was some other canon, right? <laughs> I mean, he there's there's nothing to say that they won't make more twin i mean i don't think the door is completely shut on it i thought the door was shut 25 years ago and here we are so I mean, the the matrix right you know yeah, i mean matrix, star wars there's so many like ips that have come back after a long hiatus um mm-hmm. and minor spoiler for matrix but how about the scene where he's like thanks to our beloved parent company <laughs> and Nia's like they can't do that oh they will <laughs> like, so good oh it oh. is so self-aware um anyway thank you all for listening if you would like to uh send us an email or a message from your um human person phone um mm-hmm. that our email is i don't remember what is it it's same peaks y'all at gmail dot com big thanks to guy dudeman for always coming in clutch with that special segment um he's got a podcast it's called it's happy hour in france and it's a great twin peaks podcast you should go and listen to it um thanks very much to our best friend chris who runs our facebook page Mm -hmm. if you would like to be friends with us on facebook for another few weeks while we do this (laughs) the end of our podcast um, you can watch us on YouTube. You can tweet at us at same team, y'all. Um, I just posted a really cool video on Twitter of um, it's footage from episode 15 of Cooper or of Duper crawling across the floor and also the young woman from the roadhouse uh, crawling across the floor uh, smushed together. What does that mean? I don't know. Tell me, go look at that video and tell me what it means. <laughs> it, it was really, it was really cool. Um, um, you can listen to our playlists on Spotify, look up same team y'all on Spotify and you'll see a bunch of playlists that we've made. Um, and, uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast as we, as we often say, you can literally do anything with your time and you chose to spend some listening to us. And we really super duper appreciate that. We super duper booper appreciate it. Um, super duper booper Cooper appreciate it. Of course we do. And uh, someone's handing me this coffee and ooh, it's hot. <laughs>